Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Live Seville Show. It's great to be with you on a Monday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville in our building, the Macklin Building on the I Love Seville Network, on a show that's literally airing or archived on every social platform known to mankind. It's great to be with you and connect with you on today's program. Look at the screen, and you will see the headlines that we'll talk about today. I want to talk um, entrepreneurial parents, waltonshuttle.com. These folks have a brand they have a website. They have a 15-passenger um, van called Big Blue. This mom is solving the, uh, the busing crisis for Foxcroft, Mill Creek, and Lake Renovia. $5 one way, $10 round trip, and a 10% monthly discount. I love everything about this. Alana Smith, waltonshuttle.com. Alana Smith, after I cover your new business endeavor on today's program, Alana, your business is going to blow the F up. I don't want a percentage of the new revenue that comes your way. All I'm going to ask from you, Alana Smith, is you come on the program. Come on the show and let us know how this new hustle is working. Here it is in a nutshell. A mom in Albemarle County is getting entrepreneurial and is solving the Albemarle County bus driver shortage problem by becoming a driver herself in a 15-passenger with seatbelts in airbag cargo van. She's a stay-at-home mom. She has five children. Her middle kid is a seventh grader at Walton. She drives a blue 15-passenger van. Maybe you've seen her around town, her website says. She's hoping to help her neighbors while covering gas plus wear and tear on the vehicle. I love everything about this. Mill Creek, Lake Renovia, Foxcroft, and Avon Extended, Southside Charlottesville, this is for you. This business is going to blow up after we talk about it today. I also want to highlight what Blue Moon Diner is doing. Blue Moon Diner is moving away from traditional waitstaff service and is pivoting its restaurant model. This is a diner on West Main Street, Midtown Charlottesville, pivoting its restaurant to self-serve kiosks and customers bussing their own tables and choosing where they want to sit. Ladies and gentlemen, the first two stories that I'm going to cover on this program is something that we have crystal balled, we have predicted, we have prophesied, we have explained how the mechanics of the business model would work, and today, both of them are coming to reality. We will break these two new business models down on today's program, two business models we have been championing, crystal balling, and prophesizing for 18 months minimum on this network. I also want to talk on today's program, the area median income per household, according to HUD, $123,300, what that says about this area. I've known about this next storyline for months. And is Dr. John watching this program? Dr. John, the owner of Pro Renata Brewery. Dr. John, I've kept this under wraps, as I've promised you, for months. The only reason I'm talking pro Renata opening in Stanton is because a media report has followed the zoning changes that you're looking to pursue in Stanton. And because it's now in mainstream media, on social media, on the Augusta, what's the name of the website? The Augusta Free Press, I feel compelled to talk about it. 
But sir, I've honored our bond and our word by not chatting about this. I am not the first to break this news, despite having it for months in my possession. We will talk pro Renata to the old Coca-Cola bottling plant on North Augusta Street in Stanton. We have one of the biggest champions of Stanton watching the program right now in John Blair. John, any insight that you can offer, I will relay it live on air. I understand there's limited things you may be able to say on this, and I have tremendous respect to push harder on that. But when Pro Renata, one of the best breweries out there, is opening a new location in an adjacent jurisdiction, looking to brew beer in that jurisdiction, and possibly could be the anchor tenant for a neighborhood that needs some revitalization, that's news I got to talk about on this very program. And Dr. John, I honored our agreement undoubtedly here. Now, I want you guys to be the change you want to see. Be the change you want to see and join the Charlottesville Police Department if you're looking for a new career path. Mike Cotches, the police chief, is becoming a friend of this program. We have partnered for the with the police department for 60 days, and we're going to drive brand awareness and positivity and goodwill and positive equity to a department we champion. We back the blue on this talk show. Chief Cotches will, we hope, join us in the near future. We're working on that now. You will also see some uh, other folks within the police department joining us on set. Also on that note, tomorrow's program is going to be significant. I have Natalie Mastery on the show, the new CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. We also have retired Colonel Letty Bean on tomorrow's program. She presented the white paper to local elected officials highlighting the impact of the defense sector in Central Virginia, a yearly economic impact of $1.2 billion, with a B, dollars. A lot of people say that number is low. Retired Colonel Letty Bean in studio tomorrow at 12.30, along with Natalie Massery, the newly minted chief executive officer and presidente of the Chamber of Commerce. That, that interview we do tomorrow will undoubtedly drive the news cycle with print, radio, and television that watches this show, in particular the I Love Seville show, every damn day. Every day. I'm going to highlight on today's program your comments, your ideas, your perspective. It's an interactive show. You're looking at the talk show right here, the I Love Seville show that drives the news market and the news legacy in a 300,000-person market. And we're very excited. I'm in the works right now, in the works right now, of launching a brand-new talk show that I think is going to be monumental. That's a little teaser for you. Details to come. You got a two-shot ready to go, J-Dubs? Yep. Let's go Judah Wickhauer on a two-shot. He was dynamite, absolutely dynamite on Friday, offering charisma and confidence and conversation and coolness and character and craftiness. Well, give me some other C's that embody Judah Wickhauer. Oh, let's see. Uh... Chippendale-like looks and muscles over there. Can I get a flex from you? Can we see the look at that, Judah Wickhauer? All right, let's talk. First storyline here is Blue Moon Diner. This is from a post on their Facebook page. Did you send this to me, Vanessa Parkhill? Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, sent us this story. Vanessa Parkhill, you are watching right now. VP, this is for you. 
Lee Parkhill was my favorite Parkhill for so long. Since Vanessa has been participating and watching and offering conversation on this show, Vanessa has now passed Lee Parkhill in my favorite Parkhill rankings. Lee, a close second, her son, a talented uh, sports, a talented uh, athlete from St. Anne's Belfield, now in, the, in the, the, the real world of being a professional. Lee's in the two slot. Vanessa, you're in the one slot right now. She sent me this story, a Facebook post from Blue Moon Diner posted 20 hours ago. I'm going to read the Facebook post to the viewers and listeners. Judah Wickhauer, you listen closely. This is literally something I've been prophesizing, crystal balling, and predicting for at least 18 months, maybe 24 months on this very talk show, and it's becoming a reality today. Here's the post from Blue Moon Diner. Hello from the Blue Moon Diner. We are changing our service model. We are converting to a cafe coffee shop style service. This means counter service, no reservations, pick your own table. While this is a big change in some parts of the diner, we believe this will strengthen the most important parts, attention to delicious food and the personal connections between staff, customers, and each other. And yes, Wednesday nights still mean gym wave. Customers will order from self-serve kiosks with the assistance of our staff. You will then find a table for your group, gather your own beverages, and we will deliver your food once it's ready. Customers will clear their tables to one of our busing stations. Customers are now busing the tables there. Blue Moon Diner has evolved and changed in many ways since its inception in 1979. The one constant throughout it, its many owners, workers, and phases is a desire to share our love of good food, good music, and building community with our neighbors. We hope this new mode of service allows us to continue to serve our community for years to come. Thank you and hope we hope to feed you soon. Rice, Laura, and the Blue Moon crew. Judah Wickhauer, I can't wait to give my thoughts and perspective on this. In conversational setting, which is what you've asked of me, what do you make of the Blue Moon Diner essentially pivoting its model away from traditional waiters, waitresses, in front of the house staff to a self-serve kiosk, customers bust their own tables type of scenario? Show is yours, my friend. Well, first of all, no more tipping. That's good. That should bring down the price of, uh, price of uh, eating for I'm going to interject. I'm going to interject. We don't know the particulars about tipping or tip or not tipping. Well, why would you tip a why would you tip? Tipping is for excellent service. Ah, there we go. This am is a I, topic I, for conversation right here. Am I wrong? No, I you're you're tipping your server because they're not paid you know, they're not paid uh, minimum wage. So, part of your, you know, part a large part of your tip goes towards them actually making uh, making decent money, right? And Does if, this mean no tipping, viewers and listeners? John, your analysis of restaurateur, you're watching. And if you're ordering, if you're ordering from a machine and uh, busing your own table or busing the table th- before you, because the people that sat at the table before you might not uh, might not be uh, as clean as you are. Let's put it that way. I was gonna say, uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah. You're busting your own. Uh, I mean, maybe you should tip yourself. Uh, but, but the point being, you're not going to have a server to tip. You're not going to. Uh, you're not going to have. Uh, uh, I would assume that the the cooks and chefs and and the back uh, back, back of, of the, the house, back of the house, they're 
they're getting whatever they're getting and it, they're not relying on tips. So, so that's the first thing that comes to mind is no more tipping. That'll, uh, that'll cut down on your costs when you're, when you're going out to eat at the, at the Blue Moon Diner, which is a good thing. And, uh, I mean, you've been all over this, right? You've been, uh, you've been touting this, that the day was coming. And, I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I've got some rather uh, uh, persnickety family members. Persnickety. I like that word. And uh, Are you talking about Big Jim Wickhauer? I'm not naming names. Okay. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is... If you're not relying on a, on a uh, on a fallible human to take your order and get it correctly to the kitchen staff, then I would imagine there's going to be less chance of uh, of either errors or at least any uh, you know uh, there's there's no less mid- human error. There's no middleman. There's less human error. I'll give if, you that. If you put if you type in your order and say uh, burn my fries to a crisp. There's very you are talking about Big Jim Wickhauer. I know that's how he how likes you know? his fries. You've said it before on the talk show. Well, the point being that uh, now... We love you, Big Jim Wickhauer. Let me tag Big Jim Wickhauer. Can I do that? If you want to. Okay. I don't know that we're going to keep talking about him unless you keep bringing his name up. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, the fact of the matter is that uh, you'll have... You'll know what your order was put in as, and there... There are only so many steps from uh, from that computer screen or whatever kiosk to uh, to the person that cooked your food. So uh, I would imagine there will be less uh, less errors. And you know me, the less people I have to deal with on a daily basis, yeah, the, Ju- ha- the happier I am. Judah doesn't want to talk to people if he doesn't want doesn't have to. My only question is, how do you get your drink refilled? It's a great question. I would imagine they're going to be drink stations. A drink station is like you see at a breakfast buffet where you have like the OJ in a pitcher, the water in a pitcher, the lemonade in a pitcher, the That's iced tea in fair, a pitcher. But usually milk and orange juice are not, uh, are not refillable. Whereas You're saying uh, free refills. Yeah. Whereas... Uh, I'll, let me jump in on that. Go ahead. I don't. Please, whereas, please keep whereas going. Whereas soda and coffee and and uh, sweet and unsweet tea generally are, you know, free refills. I like it. To like, any more thoughts? No. Okay. Put the lower thirds on screen if you can. On the topics we're covering, there's two lower thirds that we can ro- ro- rotate through here for uh, Blue Moon Diner. Um, I'm going to respond to what Jude is saying, and viewers and listeners, I'm curious of your take on this. Blue Moon Diner, I just read, uh, read to you what they're doing. They're pivoting to kiosks. Kios- Customers bust... Kiosks. Is that the plural of kiosks? It's kiosks or kiosks? Kiosks. Kiosks. I know it's awkward. What is it? Can you say it three times fast? Kiosks, kiosks, kiosks. Gosh, he's such a wordsmith. A, ling- a linguist over there? Is that what you are? Something like that. I, I don't think I'm going to get it right. I'm just going to do it for the sake of humor. Kiosis. 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 Blue Moon Diners pivoting to... Kiosis. Thank you, Judah. I'm not convinced it's a no-tipping model, Judah. Well, why would you tip? 
when you, I did, we bought on Saturday, we went to Now and Zen Sushi. I love Now and Zen. I love Toshi. I think for the money, it's the best sushi in Central Virginia. I love 10 Sushi on the downtown mall as well, but there's a huge price delta between Now and Zen and 10 on the downtown mall. Now and Zen and 10, the taste differential is the same. There's, there's no delta there with taste. The price differential is significant. Mm. I went and purchased, uh, my wife called ahead four rolls. Is she watching right now? I think my, my better half is watching. We got four rolls at Now and Zen. And as you're checking out at Now and Zen, there is a sign on the register that basically says, delivery folks and those of us that are working here, even ta doing takeout orders, are working for tips. The person working this register, the sign basically says, and I'm paraphrasing, it's a handwritten sign, is being underpaid for what this market suggests. So please tip us. Is that something that we should be addressing on the show? I mean, the fact that, is, does that mean that uh, restaurants are expanding who they're not paying, uh, a, you know, who they're not paying minimum wage? I don't think Toshi and Now and Zen, Toshi's the owner, I don't think Toshi is rolling in the money. I, I think, like many, I think like many small businesses in Charlottesville, he's scraping by and trying to keep his lights on and pay his rent. I think that's what's literally happening here. Here's the point I'm making. At Natwin's End, for takeout sushi on four rolls, I tipped 20%. I tipped 20%. I literally gave him like $11 or $12 tip on 50 bucks, taken to $62. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that anyone working at the front of the house at Blue Moon Diner is going to work in this new environment without the expectation of getting or receiving or earning gratuity from customers. I still think the expectation is gratuity and tipping. Customers give to staff, even though the staff is potentially doing less front of the house work. Viewers and listeners, what do you think about that? Do you agree or disagree with me? I think you'll see beverage stations where certain beverages like orange juice or water or soda or orange juice or lemonade or coffee, you can refill when you want it. I think the price point of each of those beverages is going to be adjusted based on customers taking advantage of the free refill scenario. I think there'll be a sign in those beverage stations that says milk and orange juice are not free refills but we know customers will do it anyway because there's always someone playing a hustle and looking to one-up somebody else. And I think Laura and Rice and her team at Blue Moon are gonna have to adjust the price point of those beverages to reflect the fact that OJ and milk is gonna get free refilled by customers because someone's always trying to game somebody. Yeah. I think the customers bussing their own tables is gonna take a lot of the onus off front of the house staff I think customers, much like they, and Bill McChesney makes this comment, Stephanie Wells-Rhodes, are you watching this? Are you listening to this show still? I love when Stephanie watches the program. Remember, I've made this comment before. You know what I despise doing? My wife and I, dis despise is a strong word. You know what I dislike doing? My wife and I disagree on this. When I go to a grocery store, I very much dislike 
going to the self-serve checkout line. You probably love the self-serve checkout line, right? Because you don't want to interact and talk with the cashier, right? Well, oftentimes it's faster if there are if there are six if there are six open slots for uh, you for choose self- the self-serve checkout line. Do you not? Yeah, because usually you don't, there's not a line. I choose the bag my groceries, you scan like my stuff, and put my stuff in the bag line. I literally will wait for somebody ahead of me than going to the open bay at the self-serve checkout. I do not want to bag my own groceries at the grocery store. I'm not paying an obscene amount of money for groceries to then have to bag my own groceries. I'm just not going to do it. And You're you also can, not going for five or eight items like I am. No. And, and, and i got to cut to the chase. Stephanie is watching. Stephanie, I love when you watch the program. I know she shares this mindset as well. And I need to cut to the chase here. Uh, a lot of this onus is falling on my better half that's carrying the weight of the family, the foundation of our family, my wife. She's doing in, you know, the weekly grocery shopping here. I'm, I'm here at work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. She's with two little boys. Thank God school is starting for our 1,000-mile-an-hour five, five-year-old who's going into kindergarten. Um, that's a relief for all of us. She self-serve checkouts. I do the in-person checkout, okay? I've highlighted on this program Derek Bond. Is my boy Derek Bond watching the program? DB, are you watching the program right now? Let me tag Derek Bond. Derek Bond runs a damn good restaurant. Derek Bond, I'm giving him props. We are giving you props. You props right now. Derek Bond is the owner of Moe's Barbecue on Ivy Road. Derek Bond also owns The Melting Pot in downtown Charlottesville. Derek Bond is a talented, experienced, seasoned restaurateur who utilizes processes and protocols and his franchise experience to keep his restaurants in the black. He is a fantastic restaurant owner. I help broker a business transaction, you saw it from afar, between Derek Bond, the new owner of Moe's Barbecue, and Mike and Ashley Abrams, who started Moe's Barbecue on Ivy Road from scratch a decade plus ago. Derek came over and took over Moe's. One of the things that appeals to Moe's staff, one of the things that appeals to Moe's ownership, whatever franchise you're looking at from a Moe's standpoint, is the operation runs very leanly. You go, there's one person on the front of the house at Moe's. The person that's pouring the beer and making the drinks is the person that's working the cash register and putting your order in. At Moe's, you need one staff member for the front of the house. Customers go to a window where there's a cash register, they put their order in, and then they go to a table that they pick. There are paper towels on top of the trash cans for you to clean the tables. There's a place for your basket where your food comes in. You pick up your food from a pickup window. There's no table service. As a result, Moe's can run with very lean or little staff. They can then pass that savings on to customers by offering price points that other restaurants potentially cannot offer. And they have very high quality ingredients. I've said on this talk show, that is the future of the locally owned business. And now we're seeing a locally owned business, not a chain, not a franchise, not a local business with two or three locations. 
They have one Blue Moon Diner and that's it. And I would bet you 50 bucks they have no interest in opening another Blue Moon Diner. One of them is all that they can manage from a capacity standpoint, from a stress standpoint, you name it. They want to go in, they want to serve really good food, they want to keep customers happy, they want to keep the lights on, they want to earn some decent wages for ownership and their staff, and then they want to go home. They don't want to worry about the stresses of multiple locations. Blue Moon Diner, locally owned, not deep-pocketed, is pivoting to ordering... From from kiosks. Thank you. Kiosks. There you go. This will be a trend you see at other restaurants locally. If one Blue Moon Diner can do it, not a deep-pocketed ownership group, why couldn't any restaurant in this marketplace do it? Here's the follow-up question to this. Let's unpack this. Why are the restaurants doing this? They're doing it because they can't find labor. One of the reasons they can't find labor is because the labor can't afford to live in Charlottesville and Almaro County anymore. We covered this last week. And as the, as the labor is being gentrified out of Charlottesville and Almaro County, the labor is basically saying, there's no way in hell I'm going to drive from Augusta or Waynesboro or Buckingham or, or, or Louisa to this job that pays me $20 an hour and I have to commute 45 minutes one way and burn all my money at $4 a gallon gas. So people are doing just basic arithmetic and saying it doesn't work out for me. Right? So the restaurants are figuring out the labor shortage by automating everything. Second, the automation is becoming more affordable and approachable. If Blue Moon Diner, if Laura and Rice can afford, what are they called? Kiosks. Kiosks. Then anyone in restaurants can afford kiosks. This solves the labor shortage. This also can pass some savings on to ownership as well. I do not think that the front of the house that is there to help you with the kiosks and to run the food, I'm surprised it's not a pickup window. Laura and Rice, I suggest a pickup window instead of having expos and food runners for the, for the food to people's tables. Do a pickup window and, and, and take out that human element as well. Have the customers pick up the food. Then you don't have the tip thing. I would expect the food runners are still going to expect tips and gratuity. Maybe, unless they, unless they. Uh, I don't think they're getting robot, upped a wage. That. The 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 waiter at Blue Moon Diner, in the old model, was making two dollars and thirteen cents an hour. What is it? Front of the house staff is it two dollars and thirteen cents hourly wage? Is it two thirteen? Let's just call it two thirteen. Say they're making two dollars and thirteen cents an hour. How they got additional money was through tips. Let's say that additional tip money took them to... I mean, it's got to take them above uh, minimum wage. Oh, yeah. Definitely above minimum wage. Somewhere between 15 and 20 an hour. Depending on the restaurant, I'm sure, yeah. Blue Moon Diner? I have no idea. But Call yeah. it 15 or... I got the Restaurant Association watching me literally on the show right now including text messages on my phone from seven different restaurant owners watching the program. I'd say 15 to $20 an hour. I don't think those food runners are going to get 20 bucks an hour from ownership. I think they may have their hourly wage increased, but I don't think it's going to get to 20 an hour. And I think the expectation is there's still going to be tip pool of some capacity. 
And I would not be surprised if that tip pool of some capacity is also shared with back of the house, line cooks and chefs, the bus boys, the dishwashers, and anyone working in the BOH. I think they'll have a much harder time convincing people to, uh, to tip on in, in that model. Maybe tip 20%, but what if they tip 10 or 15%? What if their hourly wage was taken to 10 or 12 bucks an hour, and then they're getting a 15% tip on average, or a 10% tip on average? I mean, average? I'm not arguing what they should or shouldn't do. I'm just saying I think you'll have a much, I think you'll have a hard time getting people to uh, tip reliably in that model. Okay, Johnny says it's now 4.15 an hour instead of 2.13. Thank you, Johnny Ornalis. He owns Guadalajara and El Mariachi. He says, I believe one of the issues with switching over to kiosks once the location is established is that your customer base is used to the services. I'd rather tip, he says, than have an extra fee on my bill. We are over minimum, but tips still help staff to make a living, is what he says. Yeah. He's got two locations that he's running, soon to open a third. And Johnny, I can't wait for the cold beverages we're going to have uh, tomorrow at Vivachi. Roger Voisine says, hello from Smith Falls, Ontario. He's watching the program. Look, when it's all said and done, I think we all would want table service at our restaurant. But the reality is, is Almore and Charlottesville are literally gentrifying the wait staff that, that fills these jobs out of the county and out of the city. So if you want to stay in I operation... I would say it's just Charlottesville and, uh, and Albemarle County. What's that? I wouldn't say it's just Charlottesville and Albemarle County. You're thinking that Fluvanna... No, no, no. I'm thinking that it, 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 your wording makes it sound like you're, you're, sound like you're blaming the, uh, Charlottesville, the city of Charlottesville and, the, and Albemarle County. I'm not blaming anyone. I think this is just capitalism in the free market. Yeah. It's, it's, it's happening everywhere. Exactly. You know, what happens when you let the government get involved with economics? This is what happened when we let the government get involved with economics, ladies and gentlemen. A bunch of morons gave everyone free money during COVID. Remember the PPP money? Remember the COVID relief money? A bunch of people in suits that don't have a damn IQ, any kind of damn IQ when it comes to running a business, have never run a small business, and all they care about is getting reelected. So of course they're going to give us free money. All they want to do is get reelected. What's the best way to get reelected? Buy some effing votes. A bunch of people in suits, old people that have no concept of running a business, gave a bunch of people free money during COVID. On top of that, we took interest rates to 2%, 2.5%, 3%, below 4%, rates that we'll never see in our generation. What's the cause and effect of a bunch of free money? What's the cause and effect of rates under 4%? Well, guess what happened? All of us that secured rates under 4%, we're never going to effing sell our homes. Why would we ever sell our homes when we have a 2.75% mortgage rate? We're just going to keep them. We're going to live in them longer, or we're going to turn them into investment property, and that's causing an inventory pinch when it comes to real estate in Charlottesville and Central Virginia. And that real estate, that inventory pinch, is making value skyrocket to levels we've never seen. Homes are the most expensive they've ever been in Charlottesville and Central Virginia history right now. What happens when you give a bunch of people free money and you make them stay at home? What was it called when we had to stay home? We couldn't do shit? What was that called? It's like It was lockdown, right? We were told we had to stay in our house. Here, here's free money. You can't go and spend it. Just keep it. Well, what did we do? We invested it in the stock market and we chopped down our debt. What did that cause? Inflation. 
You give a bunch of free people free money, and then you remove the lockdown restrictions, and then you go say, have fun. What are those people going to do? They're going to drive up the cost of goods. They're going to drive up groceries. They're going to drive up gasoline. They're going to make the used car market out of control extremely expensive. They're going to pump this free money into stocks and equities. They pump their money into stocks and, in and equities at the time when the stock market went in the shitter and then rebounded dramatically. Then these people seem like they're stock wizards, stock pickers, genius. The reality, during COVID, everyone picked winners. You're not that smart. The stock market just rebounded from a pandemic that no one's seen before. You give the government an opportunity to determine the economy, and what's the government going to do, Judah? Uh, they'll probably mess it up. They're going to screw it up. You tell city council and the planning commission in Charlottesville, Virginia, oh, let's upzone some stuff. Let's allow people to create more density in a 10.2 square mile city. Let's allow more housing. Let's allow stuff to be converted. And I swear that's going to create affordability when it comes to housing. Nah. First project we're seeing and happening is Dairy Market and Dairy Central. $2,200, 400 apartments at $2,200 a clip. I wouldn't say those are affordable. That doesn't prove your point, though. It does prove my point. No, it doesn't. How does it prove my point? How many new... The first project under upzoning where he's not even going to need city council or planning commission approval, once Chris Henry, friend of the program, all he has to do is wait for upzoning to be approved, then guess what? He can build those 400 apartments at the home brew store, the, the laundromat, the twice as nice thrift shop, and that crappy parking lot. He can build those 400 par apartments no matter what. The first project coming out of upzoning is one that's going to produce 400 apartments at an average of 2 Gs a month. 2,000 times 400 is 800K a month times 12, 9,600,000 in rent rolls a year. That's just numbers. I don't know that they mean anything. The fact of the matter is if you have 400 new apartments, isn't that going to open up housing for more people? I'm, I, I'm torn on that. Supply and demand would say that's going to create more housing for people which could stabilize prices because the people that can afford the $2,000 a month apartments, the new ones, are the ones that will not be cannibalizing or pursuing the dilapidated, dilapidated houses in 10th and Page. That's what supply and demand would suggest. Alternatively, I think here's another theory to consider. If you can afford a $2,000 a month apartment in Dairy Market and Dairy Central, you're probably doing well financially, right? If you're renting something that's a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom at $2,000 to $3,000 a month, you're probably doing well financially, right? Okay. Those people that rent these 400 apartments in 10th and Page, this is going to happen whether you want it or not. And it's the Planning Commission and Charlottesville City Council that you can blame. Because this is upzoning. It's greenlit projects like this that are going to come by right. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. I, I hate to tell you that, but that's just the facts. The people that rent these apartments due to Wickhauer, they're going to get a taste of living in the heart of Charlottesville. They're going to be like, man, I can walk places. I can walk to the hospital. Maybe that's where I walk, where I work. I can walk to the downtown mall for happy hour. I can walk to Midtown. I can walk to the UVA corner. I don't have to pay for Ubers or taxis. I don't have to worry about uh, anything except for walking and enjoying quality of life. Those folks are going to get a taste of that lifestyle. And once they say, all right, I'm tired of renting, 
They're going to shift their mindset and be like, I want to buy something now. And remember, they got good jobs because they're affording $2,000 a month. And they're going to say, I want to buy something. And when they choose to want to buy something, a portion of them are going to want to buy in the area they already know. Yeah. I, there's and they're going to go after 10th and Page, Star Hill, Fightville, <coughs> etc. Go ahead. Yes. But as long as there is new, as long as there are new properties opening up, you're you're allowing for movement, and I think that is what is needed right now. So whether or not it's it's four hundred of the perfectly priced apartments, it's still four hundred new apartments. That's going to allow movement into Charlottesville or movement out of those apartments into houses, which opens up an apartment for someone else. Now, this might not be, I mean, obviously 400 is not, is not enough to, uh, to solve the problem that we have right now, but it's a beginning. And I don't believe it's a bad beginning, even if the price is not right for everyone. It's still more housing, which is a good thing. I believe that is a net positive. Is more housing that's all expensive a good thing? Yeah. If you create incremental new housing for Charlottesville City, and that incremental new housing for Charlottesville City, and very large majority, 90% plus, is all 2200 a month or more expensive housing, you're saying that's net positive for affordability? It's Yes. No. Why not? Because it's all expensive. So what? Somebody's going to use it. And that will prevent that those people might have been people that would have gone around and bought a house if they couldn't find an apartment to rent because not all of them want are going to want to buy a house. Then how? Okay. Then th- okay. We'll we'll table that. Keep that to the side. We'll agree to disagree for that. Okay. How, how is that going to? How is the market going to respond to the incremental hires from UVA for the biotech school? for the data science school and the incremental hires from UVA for the additional enrollment it's expanding. How is the market going to respond to more wealthy, rich, homogenous student body increased enrollment? Okay. The market was going to respond whether or not Chris Henry built phase three anyways, right? All that's going to happen is... If you're bringing all those people in, if you're bringing all those people in, and are you saying that it was that it would be better for Chris Henry to not build this? I think, there, I think we're going to see eight. What I think is that all those people are coming in whether, whether we want them to or not. And so the fact that Chris Henry is building 400 places is at least, is at least whittling away at what we're going to need for all those people. I think we're going to see eight to 10,000 new people to Charlottesville over the next five to 10 years. And okay. those eight to 10,000 incremental citizens, new citizens, are going to be characterized by the following. UVA students with mommy and daddy's credit card that are... I'm going to finish my point here. I'm going to finish my point here. Eight to 10,000 new people that are coming to Charlottesville over the next five to 10 years. They're either going to be UVA students with their mom or dad's credit card, or they're going to be people associated with data science. And it's not just professors. It's the businesses that are birthed from data science, the professors at biotech, and the businesses that are birthed from biotech. We've already seen businesses cherry-pick the talent coming out of UVA. That's what we're going to see. These folks that are coming here are going to far surpass the incremental or new housing stock that's birthed from upzoning. Okay, I've, well, then that was going to happen anyways. 100%. All, I th- all that's going to happen from upzoning 
the people that can afford it, that can afford the land acquisition, the holding costs through all the approvals, dealing with local government, the increased labor, the people that can afford the, the, the financing, the increased interest rates, all these people are only going to create expensive housing. Okay, but some of those people with uh, some of those people, if there was a lack of expensive housing, would be would be finding places like uh, like townhouses. Yeah, let's like, go to the viewers and listeners with like comments. Okay, James Watson says, I think the price point is way too high to completely be net positive. I agree a thousand percent. The shortage of housing for civil servants is too high. We have people who will buy some of those to have a place to stay on game weekends. I've seen it many times. I literally have fraternity brothers. And I am, I have fraternity brothers who are 37 and 38 years old. Okay. That work in Manhattan at PE firms, at finance firms, that have purchased four and $500,000 homes in the city of Charlottesville just to have a place to stay on game day weekends and for basketball season. Okay, so you're not... They don't even Airbnb it. They don't even care about Airbnb it. He continues. Okay, so nothing has changed. My, my point is the additional housing is not going to create any affordability, and it's not net positive. If all the housing that is birthed is expensive, it can't be net positive. Unless what you want for net positivity is just a wealthy, rich, homogenous town, then it can be net positive. But the upzoning advocates are saying upzoning is in place for affordable and equitable purposes. The upzoning advocates are literally seeing it backfire in front of them. The projects that are being birthed from upzoning in phase one are converting asphalt parking lots and falling down buildings next to a historically black community. Ravana, take the other project, Ravana River, next to a working class neighborhood, or what was a working class neighborhood. These projects are are not going to happen on Park Street or on Rugby Road or in North Downtown or in Belmont or in Lachlan Hill. Hill. They're going to happen in the neighborhoods where land acquisition either has no housing or is cheap. It'll never happen in North Downtown. As much as housing advocates and upzoning advocates want to see upzoning hit white wealthy neighborhoods, that is not going to happen. It's too costly to piecemeal a block on Park Street for development. It's too costly to piecemeal a block on Lexington or Locust for development. It'll never happen there. But you know where it could happen? Preston Plaza. Preston Laundromat, the homebrew store, next to Cosner Brothers. That's where it could happen. Yeah. Because it's cheap, the land, relatively. Bill McChesney, you are 100% right, Bill McChesney. By the time Chris Henry gets to building these apartments, they're going to be way more than $2,200 a month. He's 100% right. The longer housing advocates make this project take, the more the rents will escalate because Chris is going to have carrying costs and debt service to get the market to reality, to get the project to reality. And he's just going to raise the price. He's going to raise the price. So here's how we got into this. 
And I appreciate your perspective. I really, 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 really do. Here's we got, how we got into this. And I want to go to the Walton shuttle as well. Blue Moon Diner is pivoting its model to ordering kiosks, customers bussing their own tables, potentially pouring their own beverages. Blue Moon Diner is now automating a large portion of its front of the house staff. And it's doing it because it knows labor shortage is going to be a more significant problem as the communities gentrify frontline workers out of them. I'm going to bet you a hundred bucks after Blue Moon Diner does this. Life is a copycat world. It's a copycat world. Restaurateurs are going to go into Laura and Rice's restaurant and they're going to see how is this going. There goes Jordan Bronk. He owns Dirty Nelly's and, and Buddhist Biker Crozet Pizza. Someone like Jordan Bronk or Johnny Ornalis are going to walk in to Blue Moon Diner and say, how is this going? They're going to try it themselves. And if it goes well, other people will do it. It's a copycat world. McDonald's is doing it. It's a copycat world. Wendy's is doing it. It's a copycat world. Burger King is doing it. Moe's is doing it. Now a one-unit owner in downtown Charlottesville is doing it. And as other restaurateurs do it, the frontline workers that are left in Charlottesville and Almaro County will have less jobs at their disposal because the front of the house jobs will continue to be evaporated and eviscerated. Mm-hmm. And as they have less jobs in Charlottesville and Almaro County, they're going to be more apt to move away and out of Charlottesville and Almaro County. And then as they move out and away of Charlottesville and Almaro County, that's going to open up housing stock that's going to be taken by whom? Six-figure earners needing a place to stay. And just like that, the entry wage for someone living in Charles Fort Almaro County will become $80,000, dollars $100,000. We already have HUD showing that the median income for our area is $123,000 per home. Median, $123,000 per home. What do you think that median value is going to be when frontline workers don't have jobs in Charlottesville and Almaro County because of automation? That number is going to go up even more. Because no I would imagine the frontline workers who live in Charlottesville and Almaro County are potentially bringing down that median wage. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Right? Frontline workers aren't making 123. No, definitely. I, I, frontline workers, 35. an hour is 20K a year. $20 an hour is 40 Gs a year. What's a frontline worker making? When you include um, shift work and all the pre and post work that they have to do once table service is done. Let's call it for easy math, somewhere between 15 and 20 an hour. 15 and 20 an hour is 30 to $40,000. That individual or two-income household will be gentrified out and it's going to raise this 123 number. And then as it raises the 123 number, this is what's going to happen. It's going to force other frontline jobs or other frontline business models, retail, hospitality, restaurants, music, to continue to automate 
because those people won't be there anymore to work them. We're turning into a homogenous, wealthy community even faster than we all anticipated. And the amenities that are going to serve the wealthy and homogenous community are going to be automated AI-based amenities. Forget what Stephanie and I and Bill and, 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 and all the people that... And, G, and Ginny Hu says this. Ginny Hu says this on LinkedIn. I choose the long line and chat with the cashier while my kids bag our groceries. They know how I like them bagged. I choose the long line and chat with the cashier because I'm a conversational person. That's me personally. Stephanie has said many times on this program, she's not going to the grocery store to bag her own groceries. Bill McChesney saying the same thing. Well, guess what? The cashiers of the world are about to be uh, evaporated and eviscerated. They're not going to afford to live here. And the housing that's going to be birthed from upzoning is going to be $2,200 a month housing minimum. Minimum. There'll be a little pocket of affordability tied to upzoning and rezoning ordinances. That's it. Comments are coming in faster than I can keep up. And I need to talk Walton Middle, Middle School. He's, James Watson follows, I think in most cities, Judas Point is 100% correct. But I wish that were the case here. I think the shortage of affordable housing is too high for the increase of 400 apartments to make a huge difference that will help people, sadly. It's kind of like him more expensive. It's kind of like... I don't follow this second part. It's kind of like... I don't follow the second part of the sentence there. Another thing that's impacting the affordability issue here is Almoral County, the county surrounding Charlottesville, is only allowing 5% of its county to be developed. Yeah. So it's not like folks can just go to the adjacent county to live. Almoral doesn't want it either. Let's go to the Walton Middle School. Before we go to Walton Middle School, God, it's already 124. We need like a buzzer to keep us on track like Tony and Mike have on PTI. Um, This is from Deep Throat on Twitter. The risk that new supply backfires is this. Do, they, do the people who fill the new expensive apartments come from here or are they from elsewhere? Sometimes the apartments themselves are a factor in attracting wealthy people from outside. Those people make the jurisdiction more attractive to the next wave of wealthy people. This is how gentrification works. Bingo. Exactly what I'm saying. Adding apartments has a supply effect that pushes prices down but can also have an amenity effect that pushes prices up. I'm not clear what will win. You know what the amenity effect is? You know what he's talking about, the amenity effect? No, go ahead and explain it. The amenity effect, if you add expensive housing to a local, govern- to a local jurisdiction, that people that will come there... Are the people that can afford it. Are people that can afford it. And what do wealthy people want? Services that match their wealthy appetite. And the amenities that follow when a flock of wealthy people move to a jurisdiction are amenities that match the wealthy demographic. And next thing you know, the amenities that match the demographic are maybe extremely high-end spas and salons as opposed to the entry point pedicure and manicure business. Maybe the wealthy demographic that can come in that has a 200K plus household income says, 
I don't just want a manicure and pedicure. I want to go into a spa that does manicures and pedicures while pouring me a glass of $200, $250 a bottle of champagne. And when my manicure and pedicure is done, maybe I want to blow out a haircut in a massage. And just like that, the entry point for the manicure and pedicure becomes a completely different business model. Completely different business model. Let's take the Walton storyline. Put the lower third for Walton on screen. The website is waltonshuttle.com. Waltonshuttle.com. I'm going to read some highlights from this website. Her name is Alana Smith. You know she's getting ripped right now by Socialist Charlottesville? Really? Getting ripped. You know why she's getting ripped? Why do you think she's getting ripped for, for creating this bus service? Because she's charging money? Yeah. Ginny Hu says, the people on social media are ripping her apart, saying she is greedy and taking advantage of the situation. It's ridiculous. I say let the market work it out. Either people will pay for the service or they won't. That's what I agree. Don't you? She had to buy a bus. Did she not? Yeah. Somebody's... I, I don't know why anyone would uh, just buy a bus out of the kindness of their own heart. I mean, it's uh, might, maybe, uh, maybe altruistically to help, the, uh, to help the community, help the, the neighborhood, but that's still, uh, that's still a rather large expense, especially, especially in today's uh, financial climate. John Blair says there is a similar effort concerning private transportation to Mountain View Elementary in Redfields which is down 5th Street Extended. Redfields is my old stomping grounds. That's where I, I used, to, used to live before moving to Keswick. You have a mom, and I'm going to give you props. Where's she at? I want her on the show. Alana Smith. Alana Smith, I'm going to reach out to you to come on the show. In fact, I'm copying her name from waltonshuttle.com. I'm putting it into Facebook. I'm searching people. Ooh. There you are, Alana, Alana Smith, there you are. We have five mutual friends in common. I love your fantastic profile picture with your husband. I'm sending her a friend request. I just sent her a friend request. I'm now opening up the message button on Facebook. Hey, Alana, exclamation point, enter send. I love your idea, hashtag, your, your idea, waltonshuttle.com waltonshuttle.com this is fantastic we would love to feature you on the I Love Seville show and positively spotlight your efforts of filling in the gap during this trying time of bus driver bus driver shortages you rock and we are an advocate for you and your efforts. I'm sending it right now. Enter publish send. Let's see if we can get Alana on the show. She sees that there's a bus driver shortage. She buys a 15 passenger van. Mm-hmm. And she says, $5 one way. Is $5 one way or $10 round trip? gouging the market? I honestly don't know. You honestly don't know? 
I honestly don't know. I how can you five dollars? It seems like a lot, but uh, five dollars. Jesus, are you serious? I don't have a kid. I don't. Uh, how much would it cost to to pay for the gas for that? I'd pay somebody fifty dollars just to spend an hour with my son. With our son, this kid will drive you up the wall and back. Okay. Five dollars you have beef with one way? Why? I'm genuinely asking. I'm not trying to be antagonistic here. Five dollars? I didn't say I had a beef with it. You said you honestly don't know if she's gouging the market or not. Right. I'm not really sure what what a decent price is for that. Do you want her to charge a quarter? No, I, I didn't. I'm a Snicker sure. bar is $2.30. Okay. Literally, go get a Snicker bar and it's $2.30. This lady not is... not sure how that... Uh, it, it, it's a great comparison. You can okay. go buy a Snicker bar for a grocery store in $2.30, or you can pay $5 to have your kid, your life, your flesh and blood, driven safely to school. A, a mom and dad can spend... $50 a week, $200 a month, or they can miss work or talk to their boss about making up their work after hours when they're in their BBDs, their lingerie, their Victoria's Secret, their Tommy Bahamas in their, in their bed doing work with a laptop on their, on their lap as opposed to doing the freaky deaky. I think the moms and dads would rather have their kids driven to and from school as opposed to having their work cut out of work day early and then having to make up that work to keep their job with a laptop in their bed next to their spouse who's trying to do the freaky deaky. Okay. $5? She has gasoline. She has obscene amounts of insurance coverage. You sound like you're arguing against me for some reason. I'm you not just, sure why. You just made a comment that you think $5 could potentially be gouging the market. I, did, I, I made no such statement. I asked not, you, do you think $5 is gouging the market? And, and you, you said, I honestly you, can't say. Those were your exact words. Yeah. So how, how are you reinterpreting that to mean that she's gouging the market? Generally, if someone thinks that someone is not gouging the market, their response would be, she's not gouging the market. Okay. As opposed to ambiguity. And so you're taking ambiguity for... Do you think she's gouging the market, Judah? I don't think she is, but I told you, I don't really have a measure for this. I don't have a measure for how much I would pay to have someone drive my kid to school. That doesn't mean that I Judah, think it's have gouging. you taken have you taken an Uber an Uber from the downtown mall to your house on Park Street? No. You know how much an Uber would be in the evening after you've gone to the Fitzroy, you've chitter chattered some twenty five year olds up, gotten their number, and said, Come back to my house for a nightcap. I got some fantastic red wine that I think you would enjoy. And we can listen to some smooth jazz, some Kenny G, or maybe some John Legend while drinking uh, a 1972 bottle of Merlot. If you were going to take an Uber from the Fitzroy to your house on Park Street, which is how far from the downtown mall? 
Less than two miles? Probably. You're less than two miles, right? Most likely. That one-way trip would probably be 15 bucks. Okay. $15 for less than two miles. She's doing much longer driving than this and has to deal with annoying children, 15 of them in a van. Yeah. The Uber is three to four X, the f- is three X what she is charging. And the Uber driver has to deal with you and the 25 year old hottie that's on your arm that's ready to listen to some Kenny G and drink your 1972 bottle of Merlot. Okay. You, you have to see that, that's a comp. That's a comparable. Okay. You see yeah, that, right? That's a good point. Have you seen the cost of a taxi one way? That's more expensive than an Uber. Okay. And she's got 15 annoying kids in one van. Okay. Viewers and listeners, your thoughts on this? Janice Boyce Trevilian, absolutely. Her time and product are worth the cost. If you're a parent in need, rip the school district, not her. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Janice Boyce Trevilian, 1,000% agree. Grayson says, these children will be seat belted in and driven to school by a mom with kids that is probably going to offer better care than bus drivers who don't potentially have kids. I'd say $5 is well below market. And Bill says, you can't say because you don't have any reference point. All right, I will give him the benefit of the doubt there. He doesn't have any children. He doesn't have a reference point. I think Uber is a good reference point, though. Ten dollars a day to take your kid to school, as opposed to cutting out from work. If someone was going to cut out from work and drive their kid to and from school, the gas alone to cut out from work would probably be five dollars, and then they would have to have the heartache and and, and angst and, and difficulty of explaining to their boss why they're leaving every day at two fifty p.m. Yeah. Or showing up to work late after 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Here's my prediction is what's going to happen. You want to hear my prediction of what's going to happen? The Walton shuttle, Alana Smith, she's going to have socialist Charlottesville continue to rip her because these guys can't see the forest through the trees. A textbook example of socialist Charlottesville not seeing the forest through the trees, activist Charlottesville, is how they've managed upzoning and what actually will be birthed from upzoning. Mm. Now they're ripping a mom who's trying to fill a gap, getting entrepreneurial. I think the Walton shuttle is going to be a smash success, a shuttle that's serving Foxcroft, Mill Creek, and Lake Renovia. And eventually, if this goes according to plan, Alana Smith, you should partner with someone else and create another shuttle service and another shuttle service. And the waltonshuttle.com should be changed into blueridgebusservice.com. That's a great effing idea. Let's go to GoDaddy, GoDaddy.com. Let's use the search function of GoDaddy. I, this is a free idea. We charge $2.95 an hour for what I'm doing here for free. BlueRidgeBus.com. BlueRidgeBus.com is available. It's going to cost you $12 a year. You just got a business model right there. 
Let's say she does 15 kids a day. 15 kids a day round trip. 15 kids a day round trip, Judah, is mm-hmm. 10 bones a day. 15 times 10. That's 150 bees a day. 150 smackaroos a day. 150 times 5 days a week. That's 750 smackaroos a week. 750 smackaroos. Janice Boyce Trevilian, any of the parents watching, how many weeks are in a school year? How many weeks are in a school year for public schools? Can somebody help me with that? My kid's in kindergarten. I don't have that answer yet. Someone tell me how many. Can you find out how many weeks are in a school year? Someone put it in the comment section, please. Anyone. Let me know how many weeks are in a school year. Judy, you're looking that time out? 36. 750 times 36. 750 times 36. She just made 27 G's for a side hustle driving kids around. That's not that much money. 15, right? Kids per van. $5 one way, $5 back. Let's say she's at max capacity every time. 15 times 10. That's 150 a day. 150 times five days in a school week, right? That's $750. 750 a week. 750 times 36. She's doing this for $27,000. We just explained to everybody that the average view, the, the, the frontline worker is making 35 to 40,000. She's doing this for 27K. And activists and socialists Charlottesville are calling her greedy. And she's doing it for $27,000. Minus gas and... Minus, that's gross. Minus gas, minus, minus insurance. Minus the cost of the vehicle. Minus the cost of the vehicle? She's, I, is she even breaking even here? Probably not in the is first she, year. Has she even run the... And I'm not throwing shade at her. I'm not throwing shade at her. Have you had someone like me sit down and run the business model together? Run the business model out with you? This is literally what I do for a living. Put these kind of models together, either with investors or landlords or land acquisition or developers or people with ideas. This is literally what I do for a living. Have you sat down and worked this out? Is she even breaking even at $5 one way, $10 round trip? And Jesus, she's offering a 10% monthly discount. A 10% monthly discount. Is she breaking even deep throat? Seriously, deep throat. You do numbers better than I do and faster than I do. Put the model together, deep throat. $5 one way, $10 round trip, 36 weeks in a school year, and 15 seats available. And she bought a van for this plus the carrying cost of insurance and gasoline at four bones a gallon. I don't think she's even breaking even. And somehow people are ripping her. Oh. And I apologize, Bill McChesney. You're right. I apologize. I, I, I think the bus drivers care tremendously about the kids on their buses. I, I should not have said that. I think the bus drivers care about the kids on their buses. I, I should not have made that comment. I regret making that comment. I sincerely apologize. The, the Deep Throat is doing the model with me right now. Yeah, 
I'd say it's 20 miles a day. He says 20 miles a day. I'd say it's easily 20 miles. I think 20 miles is minimum deep throat. I think 20 miles might be conservative because she's serving these neighborhoods, Foxcroft, Mill Creek, and Lake Renovia. If she were to get a kid at the the back of Foxcroft or a kid at the back of Mill Creek or the kid at the back of Lake Renovia, some of those neighborhoods, you know this, don't you? Remember you've told me you used to do delivery? This is way back in the day. I mean, I've gone, I've had friends in, uh, in some of those places, and uh, like Foxcroft, and yeah, if you got to go in, and then down, and then up, and then back, I mean, you're talking about... And if Miles, you, right? And if, and if you've got to pick up two or three kids at opposite ends of one of those places, yeah, that's, uh, that's putting a lot of miles on uh, every day. Every day. On a V8 cargo van. We're not talking about a hybrid four-cylinder car here, right? We're talking about something that guzzles gas. I'd say 25 minimum deep throat. He's putting the model together. I think she's doing multiple passes per day. But for the sake of this business model, let's do one pass and only 15 people in the bus. Obviously, she could get the multiplier effect, and she's able to do three round trips a day. Yeah, let's consider one pass, 100% deep throat. He's DMing me. He's literally doing what I do for a living for fun via DM on Twitter. I freaking love this guy. I love this guy. I literally, I, I sent her a Facebook request to see if she would come on the program. I wonder if she's done the business model on if you only do one trip in the morning and one trip in the evening. I think she loses money. Possibly. But what she's doing is what? What she's doing is probably what she was doing anyways, which is driving her kids to school. There you go. There you go. Now she's taking a slightly longer route and helping other families. And the $5 per, per student per way is helping defray the cost of... Uh, of the up, insurance and the gas. Keep, upkeep on the vehicle, insurance and gas. There's Judah Wickhauer, a businessman. There it is. That's 100% what it is. And maybe, she says, if there's enough interest, we'll do more than one pass. I'll have the early pass where you drop the kids off at like 30 minutes, 40 minutes before the first period. I'll have the pass that's 10 minutes before and the pass that happens 20 minutes late and the 20 minutes late to school pass is still better than coming to school after the first period starts. And parents will pay for it. And why will parents pay for it? Because the HUD area median income for our area is $123,300 per household and $50 a week to get your kid to school, your most precious commodity in life, is a steal. It's an effing steal. She gets 100, this is deep throat stuff. She gets 150 bucks, less the 10% discount, 135 net, minus 20, 115 a day net. I think it probably works, but it just is not a huge return on her time. But like I said, one of the schools in Houston charges $23 a day round trip. She's nowhere close to breaking even. Maybe she breaks even. Alana, you come on this program. I sent you a DM and a friend request. And Bill McChesney says no guarantees against price increases. That's fair. 
but there's no guarantees that gas may not surpass $4. And there's no guarantee that the transmission won't hold. And there's no guarantee that the carburetor won't hold. And there's no guarantee that you won't get a flat tire or blow a gasket. And there's no guarantee that the insurance provider won't raise her premiums and her rates. There's no guarantees in anything. That's why you build cushions into your business models. We charge $2.95 an hour. $2.95 an hour. You know who we want to work with? Who do we want to work with? I'm not sure. We don't want to work with everyone. We want to work with the people that can afford our rates. Yeah. We're not selling widgets. We're selling talent, expertise, insight, 23 years of, of in the streets, hustle and chutzpah. We're selling our network, our connections, how to make deals materialize faster, how to limit carrying costs for clients, how to help them hedge their risk and their exposure. We don't want to work with anyone. We want to work with the people that can afford our rates. It's 1.45. How does the time fly so quickly on this talk show? I want to see the Walton Shuttle, waltonshuttle.com, evolve into blueridgebus.com. Blueridgebus.com is available right now. And I want to see the waltonshuttle.com evolve into blueridgebus.com, and I want to see 5 to 10, 15-passenger carrier vans on the road. And I will help you build this business and make it a reality if you need investor money, if you want a website, some branding, or if you want to play out the mechanics of the business model from a pricing standpoint. You give me 10 Blue Ridge buses on the road, I'll work out the pricing for you, get you the financing for the 10 cargo vans, and get you more awareness than you could possibly handle. Demand that will be through the roof. Mark it down. And the small businesses that are watching this program, that is what we do. It's not hosting podcasts. Is it podcasts? Probably. Kiasis? What's the plural of podcasts? Podcasts? Yeah. Kiosks and small restaurants. Mark it down. Cargo vans driving kids to and from school and not public school bus drivers. Mark it down. I've been saying it for 18 to 24 months. John Blair says this, the plans introduced for the Pro Renata in the old Coca-Cola building, and, and Dr. John, who owns Pro Renata, I'm not spilling the beans here. I've kept my promise to you. I've kept my promise to you, Dr. John. Let me see if he's watching right now. You let me know about Pro Renata Stanton, and you asked me to hold it quiet. I've held it quiet. The Augusta Free Press had a story about this on August 15th, six days ago. Chris Graham, the author, has interviewed neighbors of across the street of where you're opening this potential brewery and has interviewed government officials and has put a story together in the Augusta Free Press, and I'm just responding to it. The chitter-chatter, the scuttlebutt, the brew-ha-ha, pun intended, 
is that Pro Renata is heading to the old Coca-Cola bottling plant on North Augusta Street in Stanton. John Blair, who knows that market pretty damn well, said the plans introduced show that Pro Renata is going to also, in addition to the brewery and the old Coke plant, open up a restaurant with Chip Clark in the old steam plant, which is the gateway to downtown Stanton. The neighborhood, does this sound familiar to you? The neighborhood in downtown Stanton, a historically poor and historically black community neighborhood, is getting nimbied, is nimbying Pro Renata and saying, if this opens here, and, I, and you know the last, this building has been, according to the Augusta Free Press, the building has been vacant since the late 1970s when Coca-Cola moved its local bottling operations to a location about a mile south of the city on US 11. This damn building has been empty since 1970s, Judah. Damn. It's been empty for 50 years, roughly. And the neighborhood, a historically financially margin neighborhood and a historically African-American neighborhood is raising H-E double hockey sticks about a restaurant and a brewery taking a vacant building. And the restaurant and brewery taking a vacant building, the historically financially margin neighborhood and the historically African-American neighborhood is saying this, it's going to raise our taxes and gentrify us out of our neighborhood. The exact same theory, the exact same argument, the exact same perspective of 10th and Page used against Chris Henry and Dairy Central and Dairy Market. Exact same thing happening. Oh, my goodness gracious. Vanessa, she very well could be doing two passes. She very well could be doing two passes. If she does two passes, that takes it to 54K in gross revenue. And 54K in gross revenue turns into a legitimate side hustle. And she's well, it able also doubles the amount that she's paying on gas. It doubles the amount she's doubles spending on gas. It does not. Does it? It doesn't the double the insurance cost. No, but it doubles the. Uh, it doubles the, the wear and tear, and it doubles the gas, but it doesn't double the insurance. And the insurance is the number one piece of overhead. Actually, I'm curious to see what the insurance premiums would be, versus the cost versus the cost of gas on a 15 uh, passenger cargo van. If she's somehow able to do three trips, or if she's somehow able to get eight to 10, 15 passenger vans doing one trip, and then she's managing it from a home CRM, CRM, mm -hmm. customer relationship management, I gotta believe there's some kind of CRM system that manages buses. If she's able to do that, that's a bona fide business, dude. Yeah. That's like hop on tours on steroids. Andre's been watching the program. Andre, you still watching now? Andre, Andre Xavier, my Brazilian entrepreneur that specializes in the house, in the hotel and hospitality market. Andre is still watching right now. Andre is still watching right now. Andre, if she can get eight to 10, 15 passenger carrier vans on the road, and use a similar analytics or our software system that you're using with Seville Hop on Tours. Then she has five days, and you said 36 weeks? Yeah. 
Five days and 36 weeks of business. Five times 36. 180 days of business. That is more business than potentially Hopon has, which is 52 weeks times two. I'll give them 52 weeks times three. Three days a week. 156. Just call it an equivalent amount of days. That's a bona fide business. BlueRidgeBus.com. BlueRidgeBus LLC. He says, insurance is very expensive until a company has 10 or more vehicles. Under 10, the high-risk companies control the market. That's good stuff from Xavier. That's great insight from the owner of Sevo Hop on Tours. Andre, if you were here, I'd give you a flying chest bump, and I'd pour you a bourbon. Did you see that? He said the threshold is 10 units on the road. Once you get 10 units or more, you start getting some economies of scale. Deep Throat, his dad owned a cabbie service in Manhattan. He says, I can tell you this, to insure a New York City taxi cab is $600 a month. His dad owned a cabbie service, Deep Throat's dad. That would, uh, that would absolutely be the cap. Cabs are liability case creation machines. Of course you assume she is actually buying business vehicle insurance. Many Uber drivers don't out of ignorance or just wanting to take their chances. God, that would be crazy if you were manning, if you were doing an Uber business and you did not have the insurance coverage for it and you got in a car accident and someone sued you, uh, people could take your home. They would put you into bankruptcy. If anyone is driving Uber for a side hustle and does not have the right insurance coverage for Uber driving, you're a moron. That's mean. You're ill-prepared to run a business. Is that better put? Do not do that. I had an interchange in an in, in interaction with a realtor that lives in the south side of Charlottesville down Avon Extended. And he put in the comment section of my Facebook page that literally reaches tens of thousands of people that he's running his real estate business as a sole proprietor and without any LLC protection. I explained to this individual who I will not name that that was moronic. Do not do business without insurance or LLC protection, please, dear God. Every, every piece of real estate I've ever purchased is owned by an LLC, and that LLC is owned by a holding company, which I own. It's called protection. Talk to a lawyer. If you don't have one, I can point you in the right direction. Talk to a CPA. If you don't have one, I can point you in the right direction. I got to get the hell out of here. It's 2 o'clock. I've talked for 90 minutes straight without commercial break. Without, well, I've had a sip of coffee. Has Alana responded to me? Alana. Alana, are you there? Alana? Come on the show, Alana. Alana Patrice Smith. We will champion your efforts and give you props. Do you have anything you want to add there, J-Dubs? No. Anything you want to throw out there, Judah? I thought you were excellent today. <coughs> Thank you. Johnny Ornalis made a damn good comment. The county should think about a contract for a private service like this. Johnny, I think you're right. I'll take it a step further. Yeah. Albemarle County should do a request for proposal, an RFP. And the county should say, I will pay 
anybody that can fill this need X amount of dollars to drive these kids, these 1,000 kids, to and from school and get them there on time. You could utilize our insurance negotiation, our, our insurance vertical integration, our leverage, our insurance you know, purchasing power, write our coattails, just to get the kids to and from school and we'll pay you to do it. And whoever fills that void will make six figures no problem all day, every day. Andre, I swear to God, I think you could do this with Seville Hop on Tours and your wonderful buses that are sitting around during the week. I said this last year. I said it the year before that. Oh, they reached out to you, Andre? The county reached out to you? Is that what you're saying? There's a 10-second delay, so he's leaving comments. If you, could, if you could give me a yes in the comment section about this. Did Albemarle County reach out to you about using your buses to take kids to and from school, Sevo hop on tours? He's getting that 10 seconds after I say it. He's got a comment in the comment section. He says, they did, and it was horrible. Okay, they did a public request, and it was horrible, unre unrealistic demands. It did not work. The can Almore County was unrealistic in what they asked of us. It was a public re request. They did not reach out specifically to me. They had unrealistic demands, and it did not work. There you go. Johnny Ornalis, Andre Xavier just answered our question. Thank you, Andre. If you were here, I'd give you another chest bump, Andre Xavier. And that's why the free market is filling in the gaps. Because anytime you get the government involved in the free market, they convolute, they screw up, they cloud, they make it expensive, they F it up. Allow people like Andre and Johnny and Bill and James and Vanessa, allow people like me and Angela Morberly, who's watching the program, Scott Thorpe, Valerie Young, Deep Throat, business people to run what's happening. And Dr. John, the owner of Pro, Pro Renata, I see you're watching now. All I did was talk about the Augusta Free Press article. I never mentioned anything that we talked about. All I did was talk about Augusta Free Press. And I think Dr. John, a Pro Renata in Stanton is a genius idea. You would crush it. You would crush it. That's 92 straight minutes of talking. Deep Throat, we started at 12.30. Tomorrow, Natalie Mastery, the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce and retired Colonel Letty Bean, will present the $1.2 billion defense sector economic impact report to you, the viewer and listeners, and to me, Judah, Judah and I, on the program at 12.30. I cannot wait for it. I cannot wait for it. That's the talk show. For Judah Wickhouse, you want to say goodbye to your friends and your fans? Goodbye. You were damn good today. Thank you. Damn good. For Judah Wickhouse, I'm Jerry Miller. It's the I Love Seville Show. We'll see you tomorrow at 1230.